everybody. Welcome to Exo Squad Girls, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentino. And on this episode, we're taking that jump, the last jump, the jump with Jeff Gillette and Michael Edens. And we're talking about season two, episode 36, right? I think. Uh, part three of the Fall of the New Sapien Empire. Easy, Chris. You only get one chance at this, so you better make it right. <laughs> but but every episode could be our last episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is The Last Jump, part three of the Fall of the Neo Sapien Empire. Like I said, it was written by Jeff Gillette and Michael Edens. Uh, Gillette worked on a few things. I think he teaches writing or design, maybe. It seemed it was kind of hard to find anything big on him. But this is our. That's awesome. Yeah, right. An academic wrote this episode of Exosquad? That kicks ass. <laughs> well, I'm hoping. I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg with him. But, um, oh, the, oh, yeah. Right, so the worst possible outcome is Exosquad tapped a college academic to write an episode. Like, either way, that rules. Like, no, dude, it, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, let's take for just for a second. I mean, in, in episodes like this, you start to realize a lot of the, uh, the intellectual bend of the people writing it sort of in some of the choices they make and imagery and things that they throw back to. So if the last episode was our checking in on the resistance, this is our on the hashtag resistance. This is us <laughs> checking in on the, uh, the space Marines, our jump troops going for one last hump. So up front, what'd you guys think about this one? Uh, it's really sweet. Uh, excellent, excellent action episode. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of jumping around, which I was like, oh my god, there's so many things that they're trying to do in this episode. An episode about jump troops has jumping around? Huh? Uh, uh, well, it. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. Thanks for listening. What is jump troops? It's JT. Go to two five films and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but real, like you were saying, it's you. there's like Galba, there's JT... Um, it's everywhere this episode. You, you can kind of tell that we're edging towards the end because like all of the plot threads that seem to be still running are touched upon in this episode. Like especially with the, even with that like launching sequence, you're like, all right, we ref- we get a refresh on every single person's subplot because we're going to wrap it all up in three episodes, uh, except for Brodsky, who just eats a candy bar through it. Yeah, well, well, again, this is a really action-heavy episode, so we'll do a light recap, but more just kind of talk through it. They're doing, like, the uh, the pre-flight check, and everyone, like, JT has a nightmare about the Neo-Lords. Uh, Nara is, like, rubbing her plant arm now. Marsala has, like, a flashback to, like, Phaeton capturing him, which I want to get to because there's a lot there. And everyone's having these really traumatic memories, and Bronski's just fucking chowing down on a candy bar, like not with not, no cares in the world. Yeah, you know? it's awesome. Uh, can I? We're all friends here, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, so as I was watching this episode, uh, I was ordering food on my phone, and when I looked up, uh, it was the Maggie Weston flashback sequence, and I, I thought I put on the wrong episode and restarted it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, I was like, why? I was like, I was like, am I watching the Daily on Murder episode again? And then, and then I went back and I was like, oh no, that's just a flashback. Um, spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the episode you should have watched to get here, you sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> again, if this is your first episode. Yeah, weird choice. Like, yeah, not even the last out. one. Bold move. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, gotta go hard to the rim. Um, there's a pretty sweet Bronski like splash frame. Oh my god! Yeah, right before commercial, yeah. he just like he kind of bites it and then he uh, 
I don't know. That one frame is completely excellently animated, unlike a lot of stuff. Like a bunch yeah, of, like the frames before it, for example. It looks like that end credit sequence that's like really hard edged at the end of Exo Squad. Like that really good that like teaser animation that's like really awesome. Yeah, I, I want to say the animation on this episode definitely feels different than a lot of the other episodes. Uh, I don't know if they were, I don't know if they like basically, and you know, this might be something we might want to try to ask certain people later, which might be a thought. Um, It's, it's a lot darker. There's a lot more play with shadows on people's faces. Uh, A lot of the animation is a lot smoother, but also rougher in some parts, like the, like Bronski's frame, that whole sequence is like very anime, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it has, it has a strong anime influence. Yeah, there's also a part where Winfield. Di- <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this might be the screen cap for the episode, along with the Bronski thing. There's a part where Bronski makes a joke like, "You uh, wouldn't want to loan me one of the Resolute shuttles, would you, sir? You can take mine. Just bring it back in one piece." Hey, you know me, Admiral. Bronski shrugs, and Winfield definitely looks directly into the camera and laughs. Yeah. He knows what's going on. Yeah, which I'm just like, did we just break the fourth wall in in this episode? There's a great part, too, where Bronski goes, and I wish I was down there with him, and Winfield's like, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, like, <laughs> getting sick of Bronski hanging out on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, what's he doing the whole time? He's just, like, just chilling there the whole, just, like, bothering him? Yeah, like, he's a private. He's just, like, a, a soldier. Like, why does he get to hang out with the Admiral? <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, you think you'd have more important things to do than, like, just chill with fucking Bronski. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, so you want to, yeah, like, uh, you want to hang out again? Like, yeah, hey, hey, uh, hey, Winfield, it's Bronski, just want to see if you're around. Uh, yeah, let me know, I was going to watch some TV. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> like, are yeah. you up? He's, like, texting him <laughs> pictures of horses and doctors. He's like, eh, eh, this could be us, you playing. Well, it sort of plays <laughs> like he wants him to be killed in the battle like he's like, <laughs> everyone's dying i wish i was down there yeah i wish you were too <laughs> idiot what are you doing up here who are you <laughs> yeah. it's like we've run across each other way too many times but i still don't know your name just just take my shuttle and get the fuck out of here why aren't you wearing a military uniform like you're in the military <laughs> uh, yeah all these questions and more will never be answered <laughs> So what? Yeah. So Winfield's like, Winfield's like, wait, we don't make them wear uniforms. Like, wait, wait, they all wear different things. This is the army, guys. Like, yeah, yet all the bridge crew wear uniforms, but the exojocks don't. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking this. So the beginning of the episode, JT wakes up from a nightmare, where he's being choked by a neo lord, and he's wearing yeah. the same green pants he's worn this whole time. <laughs> Has he never changed his pants? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the same same onesie. Does he have a hundred pairs of green? <laughs> yeah they, they give him like the leotard when they enlist they're like choose your leotard anything else we don't care you know you want spikes sure go for it uh knobby things why not shoulder pads yeah fuck yeah well the bad guys are just blue you know it's not like it's hard to distinguish who's on your yeah. side also i i've been thinking about this for a while and we only get like three episodes left so i want to air it out now yes, like do you get matched into an E-frame or do you think you get to pick your E-frame? Like, do you think there's like an aptitude? You think there's like an aptitude test? Like you like try out different frames and like see what works? Or are you like, you're the gu- you're the artillery guy. You're in the cannon frame. Yeah, that's how I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was like you, you're the tech person. You get to have a tech frame. You're the, 
like it's like you're based on your job yeah like yeah you know it's not and so which might be based on your aptitude but i don't think you get to pick <laughs> necessarily like because i'd pick the i'd pick jt's <laughs> and then give everybody a solar, the solar flare. Yeah, exactly. Which again, you know, they never never use when you think. In absentia, the solar flare. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, let's let's blast through this one real quick because it's like once we hit a couple of plot points, it's over. Um, basically, the fleet's in Earth orbit. They're gonna JT's like shit's gonna go down. We're gonna fly down and raid this like uh, Neo Lord brewing brooding facility in the Pentagon in DC. Where I live, woo, which is actually just outside of DC across the bridge. Anyway, everyone has like a traumatic flashback. JT with the Neo Lord. Maggie thinks about leaving Delion for the last time. Marsala has a flashback to basically, and this is where the animation gets kind of like wonky. He's in the uniform. He's out of uniform. Uh, but it's Phaeton capturing him wearing his like Governor General Phaeton uniform, which makes me wonder if this means that Phaeton sold him out. And then Marsala kept the rebellion going on because they're all all the guys that are helping Phaeton capture him are in like Terran like exo fighters, right? So does that mean Marsala yeah. was running like a guerrilla resistance like long after the rebellion had ended? I think that's why we see. Yeah, I, I think he keeps. I think like that scene where Winfield like busts in on him is like the last is like the end of the end of the resistance. Like Phaeton sells out earlier. Which I believe is a new reveal. Yeah, because they always kind of made it like, you know, Phaeton kind of sold him out, but it wasn't like so blatant. But here it just seems like Phaeton sold him out, got promoted to like governor general and basically made his buddy go into like military jail and join the EXO fleet. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, Nara, Nara rubs her arm. So you remember that she has plant in her. She has like plant <laughs> DNA. Yeah, that she's, she's sprouting. Yeah. So basically... Now we get into the meat of the episode where they do a combat drop onto the fucking Pentagon, which is so awesome. Yeah, there's like amazing shots of Takagi strafing fucking like anti-aircraft artillery. Um, uh, oh, and the Pentagon is armed to the teeth. The Pentagon yeah. is covered in weapons, which rules. Yeah, like, it's, it's like there's a gun every five feet, right. you know, sandbags. It's fortified. It's kind of amazing. Um, it's really awesome. <laughs> Yeah, especially because and it's kind of cool that we get to see DC because we haven't like really ever done DC in this show. Yeah, you know, I so they didn't rename it. I was hoping it would be like bring it to Earth Capital, like or something like that, like like <laughs> Neo Sapien yeah. Center, like the District of Livia. <laughs> yes, what? it's like it's it's still not a state; it's still a fucking district. Okay, yeah. no extermination without representation, <laughs> which it says that on my license plate now. So um, <laughs> good advice. Hashtag DC problems. They do this crazy drop and they're flying around. And of course, uh, Bronski's frame like eats it from the AA, catches on fire. Ugh, I'm going down. He ditches, he jumps out. There's that amazing splash shot, which is just so fucking cool. And, you know, Takagi, this is like, I think the most, maybe one of the most brutal things in the show. A Neo Sapien runs over to basically capture or kill Bronski. And Takagi fucking like glocks the dude in the gut with his like fighter's main cannon. Yeah. And the dude just bursts into flames. Blows him away. It's fucking crazy. Uh, the violence and detail has gone through the roof in this episode. More or less what happens, it's, it's kind of a repeat of uh, the moon base where they're about to penetrate the Pentagon and Able Squad gets recalled to the fleet. So it's just the jump troops on their own. And meanwhile, 
Pretorius is on the inside. He had uh, sent Galba and a whole bunch of like fully formed neolords to Phaeton City, Chicago, and he kept like the half baked ones to defend the Pentagon. So it's jump troops versus like gooey guy neolords in a very like the book Starship Troopers battle. Yeah. You know, sorry, def- was anybody else thinking about a movie called Penetrate the Pentagon with The Rock and Channing Tatum? <laughs> Or is it just me? I would I would watch I would I mean, watch that movie. Yeah. But who who plays the Pentagon? Jamie Foxx. <laughs> yes. Neil Patrick. Just, the guy could do anything. <laughs> He's so versatile. He can be a giant building with five sides. Yeah, so there's basically like a big firefight. There's lots of crazy tunnel fighting. The jump troops ditch the Pentagon assaults because they're, you know their AVAX shuttle gets like blown the fuck up and they take the secret tunnels of DC to get under the Potomac. Boom. They come up there in the reflecting pool, last stand in the fucking Washington monument. And what happens? Bronski, like we were saying before, shows up in Winfield's personal shuttle and just wastes everyone. But Winfield's personal shuttle is armed to the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's not like a pleasure ship. It's fucking built for war. It's also a pleasure ship. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. We're not, (laughs) He, he definitely has that Jeff Goldblum Thor Ragnarok button where it's my birthday. It's neat. Um, yeah, yeah. It's man needs. But, <laughs> <laughs> again, more inside baseball. Uh, there's some awesome shots, you know, of like the jump troops running up the stairs, the Neo Lords running up the stairs to build attention. I mean, it's just like some really cool stuff. But Avery Butler is wounded mortally, maybe we don't know, in the evac and turns over the squad to Khalid O'Reilly. And that's where we end. And... So Able Squad's heading up to Greater Slave Lake to take out that Bronski, uh, the facility he bombed in the art episode. And yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, what were you guys' favorite parts about this episode? Um, I really enjoyed the uh, lead up. Like the I'm I'm a sucker for a good like calm before the storm sequence, and I I really enjoyed being like oh like going through every squad member's like nightmare and like vision. I was like, oh, like this is it's interesting to give like because each episode kind of focuses on one character. It's cool to see that like every character have like a moment. Yeah, totally. I thought the whole like end sequence with the jump troops was pretty cool. Um, I thought the whole thing was pretty interesting. I thought they built it up really well. Like you're just like, oh, someone might get it here. You know, I think because they did such a good job at the beginning of the episode, like building those stakes and kind of showing you what everyone's fears were. And I Almost wish they did a little bit more with O'Reilly and Butler at the beginning, but I just love that kind of nightmarish zombie kind of chase. Like they don't have, like the Neo Lords. The last thing to brood into them is intelligence and wings. Yep. So they're just zombies. Um, yeah. And I just thought that was such a cool sequence and really well done. Yeah, that whole tunnel fighting sequence is kind of amazing. Where uh, it's in the dark. I mean, they do a thing where they give you enough close calls with uh, people getting hurt. That you do, like you said, you do get convinced that someone might buy it. Uh, Pellegrino gets like punted in the head by a Neo Lord, then like a whole bunch pile on top of him, only to be saved at the last second. So you're like, things are getting really desperate. And they throw in just enough uh, red shirt jump troops that you're like, people are going to die, but they're not enough that you're like, it's all going to be extras dying. It might be some of the guys we know, especially because, you know, where they're like secondary characters. So there's so an awesome like, moment where Pellegrino just shoots open a door. Yeah, and just keeps shooting. They're like, like, they're like, what do we do? We got to keep fighting. He's like, cool. And he just like sh- blows open the door and just shoots whatever's inside. My, my favorite part is right before that, Avery Butler is firing at like the anti-aircraft guys and all. 
And he just keeps firing forward, turns his head like he's, you know, he's talking to the guys behind him. He's not looking at what he's shooting. He's just shooting. Yeah, he's a killer. <laughs> the theme comes back. Yeah. Uh, for part of the episode. That's a big, that's big. I was just looking through my notes and I wrote, one of my notes was, did they take the drugs? <laughs> I don't know. What that, oh, because everyone's having a flashback. I thought everyone was on drugs. Um, yeah, it definitely seems like it would be one of those like, Buffy episode like oh we're all a musical yeah moment um, also there's five billion people on earth so either the neo sapiens killed a whole ton of people or the future is just not as well populated as as present <laughs> yeah no it's uh I'd like to think they, know, pop- they killed five billion people <laughs> yeah I mean that makes it much more horrifying you know but it's like low-key horrifying yeah <laughs> it's kind of background uh- horrifying is there anything that you wanted in this episode that like wasn't in this episode? I think tend to think that JT O'Reilly stuff could be more developed. And I think that would have made the last battle. It could have, it could have had more tension. You know, if you thought O'Reilly was going to get killed. I don't know. I, just, I mean, it's, there's a ton of cool stuff that happens. I'm not really like uh, upset about anything. Yeah. They, they do do a uh, longing goodbye glance between the two of them, but it's not really commented on that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. JT turns and then, <laughs> yeah peace it's like you gotta get on that cockpit windshield somehow yeah again i'll say it again the show should be an hour and i should uh, remake it so <laughs> yeah we'll kickstart that shit <laughs> right that's how people do it these days in the interwebs yeah no i mean it just it's just sort of it's almost unfair because there's so many i think cool things that you could do or uh, more time you could take with it but i think it does a pretty awesome job with what it has you know it's done really well done seriously I'm interested to see what happens to Butler. They sort of did the this guy's dying thing without actually saying it. You know, yeah. everyone kind of gathers around and they're all sad, but it's not like, you know, we lost him or, you know, his frame got blown up. You know, it, it's it's good to see kind of like Ryan a couple episodes said he would love to see uh, JT get killed and Nara have to take over. So it's kind of an interesting thing to have. uh that basically play out, but in the jump troops yeah. where O'Reilly yeah. now is in charge. Here's a question for you. If you were to do the show over again, would you um, largely just keep following like the same group of characters or would you like kill people off earlier on? Not necessarily JT, but like some named characters throughout the show. For me, what I would have done is uh, I would kind of try to expand the squad out initially. You know what I mean? Have more out front named characters like, you know, You'd start with 100 named characters and whittle it down to... Yeah, like you'd have like, say a platoon is like 15 guys, you know, 15 people that if you saw them on screen, or 15 is too much, like say if there was like eight people or 10, whatever is more than what we have, where you'd see them on screen and be like, oh, that's, you know, that's Johnson. That's like Kate. Oh, by the way, the Battle of Battle Creek is still going on. Uh, We touch on that for like 30 seconds, Um, but literally as long as we did it just there. But yeah, like you'd have, uh, I'd put more characters up front that you can kind of whittle down. And that way, like the loss, like Noretti, Noretti would be a perfect person to have there. And you have her through all through season one. And then she dies first episode season two, you know? So then you're like, holy shit, this person that we cared about. Yeah. Bit it. And then you could still have your main people. Uh, it does undercut a little bit that in the credits, they still have like, you know, and featuring Alec Delion. And it's like, he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Super dead. But, but you know what I mean? Like, sure. And then, because then it makes it because I know a lot of anime does that shit where they have like a million characters and then they, you know, have like, you know, we have to get away. It's like, I'll make my sacrifice. And, you know, if it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, you know, Bill number four got killed. 
I don't know. What would you, what do you think? I'm, I'm with you in that respect. I, I think that there's, it's, I don't know. And sort of <laughs> silly to speculate, but like, I think that there's, there's a longer format for the show. And I think there's a slightly slow, more slowly paced format for the show where you could have a lot more characters. You get to know a lot more people. You get to know them more, more deeply and expand their relationships. So when they do get into these sweet ass fights that they are, um, you know, you're just sort of know who people are a little bit more and care a little bit more about them. But yeah, no, I'd start with, I'd start with a whole lot of characters and kind of, uh, whittle it down. That's why I think the first season's so good is because I think like every episode is like a, a little more slow. Like the whole, the whole episode where they're on the barge to the sun is like devastating. And, I think, and emotional too. Yeah. And I think you get to know that as I forget her name, that character, the traitor, you understand why she's doing what she's doing. Um, and I think in a really earnest way, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I think that there's like more of an opportunity for that stuff. And I think that there was, there would be in, in like a more developed show or more like a show. If you made it today there, you could even kind of do some, some cooler things with some of the action and you could really sort of like, you know, have more of a vision for it. Well, just, you know, just throw this in, uh, look at Battlestar, you know, Battlestar is directly like in my mind, you know, if this wasn't somewhere in someone's production Bible as like a template, I'd be shocked, but Battlestar does the great thing where, you know, similar thing, we don't have, we have limited resources in terms of personnel, you know, kind of like the pirates episode where they make them a pilots, pilot, pirates, pirate pilots. Battlestar established like a bunch of people whose faces you saw over and over that like Exosquad could pluck them out of the crowd and make them a character or just kill them off to kind of be like, oh shit, that person that we've seen all these time, you know, all this time is gone. I think that's something that they did really well and sort of it's the nat- natural expansion about this idea, you know? Yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be interesting because I think you could make this show, you could almost make this show too dark. And I think, you, and I don't know that that's the right tone for it, but I think you could just sort of make it almost like Band of Brothers, which I don't, which oddly is like not as, <laughs> not as dark as Game of Thrones and almost should be because it's based on a real <laughs> thing and not a yeah. show with dragons and magic. You know, but it's sort of like there's this sort of um, colorful cheeriness to the show, which I like. But I think, you know, there's always opportunities to sort of go deeper into who the characters are and like what they're thinking and feeling and what their lives were before and what their lives might be after. I, I don't know. I think uh, I think an hour long version of the show would wind up looking yeah, like a lot like uh, like Generation Killer Band of Brothers. Um, I would probably follow the same unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think you could totally follow Able Squad, but there's like so many people they interact with that you could kind of like reoccur, or have come back. Like, like I think the whole James thing, the narrow, the narrow, the personal quality of the Narrowburn stuff is really interesting. You know, the JT's loves and deaths are kind of interesting. Yeah, and and I mean the other thing too is like if you get a little darker and Exo Squad's like light, it's dark but not too dark. Is in this episode, Pretorius is like. Deploy the half-baked neo-lords. And the guy he's talking to is dressed as a Nazi. Yeah, straight right? up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but all the colors are like bright green and orange and blue. And you're like, it's like a Nazi uniform, but it's like, not quite. It's just like, you know, 90s, you know, G.I. joe up enough that it's referential, but it's not evil, but kidified and made kind of digestible. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, you know, if you do go darker, like you can really develop the relationships more. 
you know, you could go into Brodsky's drinking problem. <laughs> like, sure. I mean, it, and that's the, sort of the beauty of this show in a lot of ways is that like, you know, we're going to have to start, I guess, thinking more about these sort of retrospective conversations is that you have all these like all this coded language in the show that when you're watching it as a kid, you're like, oh, cool. You know, like Takagi's fighting this red fighter Neo Sapien jet thing. And you're like, oh, actually, that was, you know, like a Manfred von Richthofen thing, um, a Red Baron thing, I should say. I'm a nerd. Um, but, you know, and also the, the relationships, how they're coded and all that. It's it's pretty interesting. But, you know, any sort of uh, parting thoughts, thoughts on this guy? Uh, cool episode. Can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's sweet. Fuck yeah. And uh, with that said, who's your MVP? MVP. I'm going to give it to Galba. Uh, he chews some pretty fierce scenery in this episode, and I salute it. Uh, I'm going to give it to Pellegrino for breaking down that door and just continuing to fight. Like, the job troops do not care that the first evac shuttle is not going to make it. They keep fighting all the way to the end. I'm going to say uh, Colleen O'Reilly, because she's like, she's, <laughs> oh, top of the morning to you in Phaeton. Um, she's large and in charge. She fucking is confident and... You know, she's, I think, the right person to lead the squad. Uh, shout out to Bronski's frame, who bites it. And uh, is Bronski out of the fight now? Because he doesn't have his frame? Or Yeah, he's like frameless. I feel like he'll come back with another one. I'm hoping, because, like, I literally wrote in all caps in my notes, Bronski stays behind, what the fuck is this garbage? So there's, there's all, That also seems to be a prevalent frame, so I think that'll be, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, Bronski and they're ready, man. Yeah, do we have anything we want to plug here are my plugs um two five films.com that's t-w-o-f-i-v-e films.com for your wedding videography needs and all your videography needs two loopy ladies on etsy for all your crochet needs i'm gonna do a kind of a personal plug do you guys know the actress tiffany haddish tiffany haddish yeah the uh <laughs> yeah what was she in? She's in yeah. she's been in a bunch of stuff recently. Um let me just do a quick Google. She's the person that said someone bit Beyonce. <laughs> there you go. She's in <laughs> she's in uh <laughs> Girls Night that just came out. Keanu or Girls Trip, Keanu, Meet the Spartans. Back in 2012, I directed her in a short independent television pilot called Honk if you're an LA douchebag. And you can see it on YouTube. So if you Google Honk, awesome. if you're an L.A. douchebag, you can see it either on my channel, Chris Farentino, or uh, the guys that wrote it put it up as well. So if you just search for it, you can see it. If you like this kind of banter <laughs> and this podcast, go to patreon.com slash goals, and you can support us for, I don't know, like a $2. That's a, that's an option. Yeah, you know. Yeah, why not? No one's no one's gonna judge, man. Just you know, just throw a little. Yeah. That's like half a Starbucks latte, right? Do do you? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, so check that out because you know we love you guys, and you should pay us for that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, do you guys have anything you want to recommend? Honk if you're an LA douchebag on YouTube. <laughs> I'd like to recommend um, uh, Sour Patch Jelly Beans. Sour Patch Kids Jelly Beans are Ooh, yummy. They are sweet. Yeah. Well, no, sour. Ew. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend, because it's coming up, I think, this Sunday. Actually, the episode will probably come out after it. But, hey, if you like wrestling, it's WrestleMania weekend. 
So yeah, check that out. It's going to be a pretty good one. And a guy I was a big fan of for a long time, Daniel Bryan, is coming back from horribly debilitating brain injuries. Cool. So hopefully that goes well. So yeah, check it out. Something crazy always happens. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got. Um, I'm also going to recommend WrestleMania. Are, are you sure you don't want to recommend it, Chris? Oh, yeah, oh yes. I, I this is what I would say. Get a trampoline. Get WrestleMania. Put the trampoline <laughs> in your backyard. Turn off every light but the outside light and wrestle during the commercials on the trampoline. And, and then you will be me yes. in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, our intro and outro music is done by Eric Calderon. You can find this stuff on three three one E Rock on YouTube. Check it out. It shreds. Uh, you can reach us at Twitter on at Exosquad Goals hashtag exosquad goals uh email us at exosquad goals at gmail.com and yeah find us on patreon like we said like we said like i said but for exosquad goals i'm chris mastalone i'm ryan hardy i'm chris Ferentino. are there any heroes in this company no, no sir which they don't say in this episode right this is lame yeah right fuck anyway bye bye, bye. We don't have an end gag, though. What if this was the gag? Think about it now. Yeah. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> what? That's right. In Die Hard, John McClane is dead the entire time. It's all <laughs> his ghost killing people. They die from fright, not bullets. A lot of people don't know that. So Nakatomi Plaza is fucking haunted? Yes. It's haunted by the ghost of the ex-husband of one of the employees who haunts the terrorist to death. Um, with with yes. machine gun bullets? <laughs> With machine gun bullets. We need to get one of those deep learning machines and train it to, like, remove Bruce Willis from Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> He's also dead in Hudson Hawk. A lot of people don't know that either. His career almost was. Hey-o. Wait, is it? Hey-o. Hey-o. That movie sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I've never finished it. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think anyone has. Um, I've never. And I've been, and I've been pretty hungover. Like, <laughs> I've rallied to change the channel. <laughs>